Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Out of Bounds Podcast with John Neighbors and Joe Franklin. Subscribe and download wherever podcasts are found or visit 1037thebuzz.com. Obviously, foul trouble. You know, normally guys don't play with two fouls. We left Isaiah out there. Mason wasn't out there with the two fouls. But, you know, you look at the 29 personal fouls to 15. We're not even a physical team. But again, you know, 15 free throws attempted to 31. And then the rebounding. I mean, they had 15 offensive rebounds. They shot the ball 47% and have 15 offensive rebounds. So, you know, I thought Isaiah played well. I thought Mason played well. And Jimmy had a decent game. And we didn't have much more. Welcome in Out of Bounds here on 1037 The Buzz. Appreciate everybody listening in on this beautiful day here in the great state of Arkansas. John Neighbors, Joe Franklin in studio with you today. And thank you as always for making us a part of your afternoon this afternoon. It's good to see you, Joe. How was the weekend, man? Weekend was nice and relaxing for a change. Just what I needed. Yeah. Just working hard, huh? Putting in the hours, all that fun stuff. Doing that during the week, but then the weekends have been busy as well. The weekends are when you're supposed to relax, and I haven't been able to, but now I was able to. Yeah. So did you get to watch all the the sporting events that you wanted to? Get to watch a little XFL, a little baseball, basketball, all of that? I did. And uh, Arkansas Razorbacks basketball. Couldn't stop Nebo. Man. Usually it's finding Nemo, but couldn't stop (laughs) Nebo in this case. Yeah, I couldn't believe. uh, Actually, let me take that back. I could believe that the Arkansas lost. But once again, they lose in a way that doesn't necessarily make sense. Or if you look at the box score, because we have done this pretty much every single loss that Arkansas has had, that if it's like, oh, if you look at this box score, if I would have told you this, that, and the other, you would think Arkansas would win. Like, for instance, Joe, if I told you before this game against Texas A&M that Arkansas was going to hit 14 three-pointers, you'd probably say, wow, Arkansas probably <laughs> wins that game. But unfortunately for the Razorbacks, 14 three-pointers only by Mason Jones and Isaiah Joe, mind you. That was not enough for Arkansas as they lose to the Aggies 77-69 to in the regular season finale. Oh, it's, uh, it's frustrating. We kind of expected it, though. Going on the road, we thought that they would put in a valiant effort, which they did, but came up short, and we know that it's tough to win on the road. So now they have plenty of work to do if they're going to keep any kind of NCAA tournament hopes alive. We don't really expect that, but there's still a chance. There's always a chance, but at this point, no, Joe, they have to win the SEC tournament. I don't think they have to win it. Really? So you think that they could still get in without winning at all? I think they could win three games and get in. Okay. So we make it to the semis? Would that just, put them at the semifinals? Yeah. Yeah, just depending on what uh, what else happens around the country. Now, we've seen some, uh, some favorites that have lost. San Diego State losing and uh, Utah State would have been on the bubble. Now Utah State gets in. San Diego State is at large, and they're going to get in. So that takes away from one of the bubble teams out there. Yeah, because I was looking at uh, you know Joe Lenardi, which I know he's not the know-all, end-all, be-all on what it is when it comes to the NCAA tournament and who's actually going to go or not go. But I still like respect him enough to where I believe that he has a good, pretty good idea of what it's going to be looking like. But he doesn't even have Arkansas even listed in his next four out or anything like that. But as you mentioned, though, and when it comes to tournament play, conference tournament play, anything can happen, and they can get on a run, and maybe the tournament committee looks at something a little differently. But I guess the, the question I have, Joe, and this is something that uh, we can discuss more in depth as the show goes on, is what is it about Vegas 
and how much they like Arkansas in basketball. Because if you looked at the odds that came out just today for the SEC tournament odds for who wins it, Arkansas has got the 11th seed. They're playing on Wednesday, mm-hmm. which they got to win five, five games, games in a row to win the SEC tournament. That is a that is a tough thing to do, no matter who you are. But given that fact, Arkansas is sitting at 25 to one odds of winning the SEC tournament, which puts them at tied for seventh best chance in the SEC, even though they're the only team that's that high up that is playing on Wednesday. And they were favored against Texas A&M on the road by four points. Now, granted, it didn't work out that way. They were favored against LSU. They were favored against Missouri. They've been favored a lot of times this year. They are favored against Georgia on the road, too. So my biggest question is, what are, are we missing something? What is it about Vegas and why they like Arkansas so much? Now, they're not always right, but there's something about them that they always say, hey, even though this record is this, even though it's on the road, even though this team may be better, we still like Arkansas to do something great. I think it has to do a lot with when Isaiah Joe came back into the mix. I don't know what it was going into it, but since he's come back, they played a lot better, and they know the type of dynamic score that Mason Jones is. So they know that you have two, two players, if they're able to put it together and then get some other pieces, some other help along the way, then it bodes for a recipe of winning. But as you mentioned, they're not all, always right. They were wrong with the Georgia game. They were wrong with the A&M game. But I think they just like the fact that Isaiah Joe is back in this lineup. I, I would chalk it up to that. I'd also chalk it up to the fact that Mason Jones is such an electric player, which he had 30 points again uh, on the road against AM another day at the office, once again, for Mason Fouled Jones. Fouled out. Fouled out in the game, yeah. So he had he had, he had a few fouls there. But, I, I mean, Joe, he's going to be SEC Player of the Week again, right? Has to be. Should be. 36 points against Tennessee or against uh, LSU, and then 30 points. I mean, he's going to have to – he'll probably be co-player of the week with some Kentucky player like normal. But still, he put up uh, great numbers again. And I think that it's the mixture of Isaiah Joe being back and the, and the idea that Mason Jones at any given game can just light you up. I mean, for crying out loud, Joe, we talked about the three-pointers. He went 8 of 11 from three. 8 of 11 from three. That's like better than most guys do at the free-throw line. He was doing that from the three-point line. And, and, I, and, and I think that, that all that mixed together is why Vegas likes them so much. And you have to admire his, uh, especially the effort, the work that he's put in to get to where he is now. But that step back is deadly. Man. It's, it's one of the best in basketball. And I know there are a lot of NBA guys that do that. But in college basketball, I would have to say it's one of the best. And that's why he has a good chance of going to the NBA, making it to the next level, simply because – they're looking at a guy like that. They can watch video and see how his game would equate to the next level, and he can make some of those shots that guys make in the NBA. Absolutely. I mean, to me, he is the type of player that you want to – If you, I'm not saying he'll be drafted in the first round in the NBA or anything like that, but the fact that he is – because I respect it more, and I know that everyone's going to talk about the controversial – issue of SEC Player of the Year because so many people are leaning towards uh, uh, other players besides Mason Jones. But here's my argument for that, Joe, and it's the same thing that I look at when it comes to like Alabama players, if they get individual awards or whatever. Great players not trying to take anything away from them. But I appreciate and respect players, individual players, that don't have the elite talent surrounding them 
on their respective teams and are still able to bring it every single game. Is there anybody in the SEC that Arkansas is going to go up against that doesn't know what Mason Jones can do? No. Great coaches are sitting there scouting him saying, this is their guy. This is the guy we have to stop. And they still can't. Now, Isaiah Joe's a fine player, too. But if you look at, like, Kentucky, for instance, they have nothing but talent all over the team. On the bench as well. On Yeah, exactly. Like Their bench players are better than most team starters. It just It's a fact. And there's other guys that have been able to benefit from that. Like, Auburn has a lot of good players, too. You know, LSU has some serious talent. I think Georgia has some serious talent, even though the record doesn't show up. But still, you got elite talent around them. And to me, I'm leaning towards Mason Jones, and you can say it's biased or being a homer, I don't care, but I'm leaning towards him being the SEC Player of the Year because he is doing this game in, game out. When teams know what he's capable of, they still can't stop him, and it's not because uh, there's just elite talent that's surrounding him. Other, Other than Isaiah Joe, there's really not a true scoring threat on this team. I mean, I know Desi Sills can have some games here and there. Jimmy Witt can have some games here and there. But that's about it. Everybody else is just, if they have a big game, it's just because, hey, they played out of their minds. They don't have other legitimate scoring threats. So teams, all they have to do is, all right, let's stop Mason Jones. And they can't. And that's why I look at, at the whole season and the whole team right now and say, I, I have to say Mason Jones is the best player in the conference and he deserves player of the year. I think it was more impressive uh, when Isaiah Joe was out simply because he was the guy that they had to worry about stopping. Now now that Isaiah Joe is back, then there's another guy on the floor that they have to worry about. Mason Jones is primary one. He's the first player you have to worry about stopping. But they know if they go after him and go all in on him, that's going to open up Isaiah Joe. And by uh, going, you know, him opening up, then that opens up other players as well. It kind of frees up everybody else simply because Isaiah Joe was in there. But it would be hard to argue that he shouldn't be conference player of the year if he is conference player of the week once again. Mm-hmm. We know that they give it to players on winning teams, though. And so they're they're going to be in a catch-22 when it comes to the voting here. Yeah, and again, I understand how the voting works. Like, let's be honest. You know, the Heisman Trophy is never going to be truly about the best player in college football. It's more than likely, or at least unless some sort of exception happens, it's always going to be given to the best quarterback on the best team more often than not. I'm not saying like Joe Burrow didn't deserve because he did, but there are a lot of times where people are like, hey, this particular defensive player or wide receiver or whoever truly is the best player in the country, but he's not even going to be considered because he's not a quarterback or he's not a quarterback on a team that's playing in the college football playoff. You know, there's, there's those elements to it that say they're right or say they're wrong, but that's the way that the trend has been going. And it's the same way when it comes to players of the year. I mean, I will, I will to this day, Joe, still get mad, still get irate when people bring up Willie Cauley-Stein being an All-American at the end of the season when Bobby Portis won SEC Player of the Year. Willie Cauley-Stein averaged a triple single. Like, that's not a joke. <laughs> he averaged huh. a triple single, and he, was an pre, and he was an All-American at the end of the season. Why? Because that Al- or that Kentucky basketball team was the team that went, I think they ended up going 39-1. and uh, They lost in the Final Four to Wisconsin, I believe, that year. But they were undefeated going into the tournament. And they're like, well, you know, it's Kentucky. They're undefeated. We got, I mean, this could be a big player. we got to give it to somebody. That's kind of how I feel what's going to happen this year. 
even though Isaiah Joe, in my mind, deserves it, especially if he wins SEC Player of the Week, because Joe, if he wins it this week, that'll break the record for most SEC Player of the Week awards to one individual player, the most ever. Ever. And this is going to be the first scoring title, and it is the first scoring title for a Razorback basketball player to have since joining the SEC. I mean, we have seen a tremendous year this year. But at the end of the day, they're going to give it to the player on the best team, even though they may not deserve it. It's a trend in all of sports. You can look across any league that you like, and you see it's going to be a player from one of the best teams in that league, no matter what year you look at. There, The one exception I can think about for college football here recently was Tim Tebow winning the Heisman, yep. and they were 8-4. and four. Yep. So that, that was the one exception, but we all knew what Tim Tebow brought to the table, and of course um, he had the 30 touchdowns, passing, and 20 rushing, and that was touchdowns. something that had never been done before at the time. So it was hard to keep him from winning that particular mm-hmm. year. Yeah, and there are exceptions, too. I think Robert Griffin III was another one that when he won the Heisman, uh, you know, Baylor wasn't one of the best teams in the country. They were a good team, but not one of the best teams. So there are exceptions to the rule, don't get me wrong. I just look at it, and this is a personal feel to it, I give more respect and more kudos to the players that do it when they have nobody else around them and other teams know that they're that's the guy. That's the guy we have to stop, and yet they still can't stop him. So, again, he's not going to win it more than likely, even though I believe he should win it. But if he doesn't win it, it's not the end of the world, because let's be honest too, Joe, if Arkansas had won five more games like they probably should have this season, and they'd be sitting at 24 and 7 if I'm doing the math right in my head. If they only win three more games, yeah. two or three more games. Yeah. If they're if they're a tournament team for sure, I think that they would definitely look at Arkansas, not only for that, but also SEC coach of the year for Eric Musselman. I I just feel like the awards would come flying in. But at the end of the day, that doesn't matter though. It's about getting to the tournament. It's about doing the best you can once you get to postseason play, playing your best basketball in March. And Arkansas just didn't do enough right now to get to that point. How about Ethan Henderson again with four blocks? Adrio had three. You talk about looking at the stat lines and thinking Arkansas comes away with a win if you just look at the box score. When you look at things like that, and then uh, five more rebounds for Ethan as well. So he led the team in rebounding, tied with uh, Adrio, and then uh, four blocks. Yeah. So he's doing all he could do. He's putting in the effort. Yeah. I mean, no, that, and that's all you need out of Ethan Henderson. You don't need him to come in and scope, go for double-doubles. You don't need him to be Moses Kingsley or Daniel Gafford or even Bobby Portis. You don't need him to be that. You just need him to be the rent protector. And that's really all they've ever asked of Ethan Henderson, Adriel Bailey, and Reggie Chaney. It's like, listen, it'd be great if you guys could come in and get double-doubles. But, you know, stop traffic, but you're just not those types of players. You're just not those players that are going to come in and be scoring machines down low. So instead of focusing on that, let's focus you on the thing that you – the number one thing that they need more than anything – Rim protection, getting rebounds. Those are the two things and only things you should do. And so Ethan Henderson coming in and doing that, it's exactly what you want out of him. And Arkansas probably wasn't going to win this game, but with 251 left in the game, you pick up a tech. Yeah. That kind of took away any kind of momentum that they had at the time. Isaiah Joe had just hit a three, and they had some semblance of hope, but just wasn't happening after that. Yeah, because I even tweeted out, and of course, you know, that freaking Twitter, as uh, as uh, Tom Izzo would say. But, you know, people were upset with me when I said, you know, hey, good for us to get a technical. Because we were like, that was a bad moment in the game to get it. Which, okay, I agree with that. But I was more putting it from the point of, 
I, I thought that sometimes the officiating was a little inconsistent, uh, that especially at the uh, end of the half where there was about four missed over the backs that Texas A&M did not get called for. They get a basket for it. Uh, same thing when uh, uh, it was later in the game, too, where you had another situation where the over the backs weren't called. And it was just a frustrating game because also, Joe, as you know, too, Texas A&M plays ugly. They, they do. Don't, they don't play dirty. They play ugly. And they win ugly. Like, that was an ugly game. The way that they play defense, you know, kind of really, – it's not really a full-court defense necessarily, but it's kind of like a – it's almost like a 2-2-1 type of zone where they just kind of move back and forth, make you earn it every time you get up the floor, and then you have to pass it out. They spread them out a lot. I mean, the defense is really hard to go up against, and that's why Buzz Williams at Texas A&M is a great coach and probably – going to have a lot of success there, unfortunately, for the Razorbacks. But still. Now, he's a guy that could win Coach of the Year because they had 10 wins in conference, and nobody saw that coming. I I agree, but, Joe, can you really give player Coach of the Year to a guy that doesn't even make the postseason? Uh, He's not even going to make the NIT. Yeah, right, right. I mean, can you really give Coach of the Year to a, a coach that didn't even put his team in postseason play? That'd be like giving Coach of the Year to Sam Pittman this year because he goes five and seven. But but the thing about it is, it's what what did you do in conference play? Yeah, I know. Now they struggled yeah. before they got to conference play, so it's all about what you actually did in conference. And to finish where they did and to have the record they had, I think he's he'll he'll get some votes. Let's say that I don't know if he'll win, but he'll definitely get some votes. Yeah, and listen, he's done a phenomenal job. They were picked to finish dead last this year in the SEC by the media. Now take that for whatever it's worth, but still, that's where they were. That's where they were picked, and he's done great. I would just feel weird giving Coach of the Year to a coach that doesn't make postseason play again. And and it's just you can pick that in any sport. So so are you saying that a coach that takes his team to the NIT, he would be more deserving? I mean, I. Yeah, I think so, because at least that you got to the point to where you had a, a, a solid season, winning record, and good enough to be in the postseason play. Like, I'm not saying Eric Musselman deserves it more than Buzz Williams. I don't think either of them are going to win it. They're probably – or I will say I think Buzz Williams will probably win. I'm just saying it would feel weird doing that. Because, again, imagine in college in SEC football where the coach of the year was given to Sam Pittman because he went 5-7. and seven. People would be like, okay, good job. What? Why? Because you were you've been so bad for so long. You were picked to finish last, but you still went five and seven. It well, was better, but not great. Let's go through the coaches then. Calipari probably not going to win it because they're expected to do it every year. Bruce Pearl, they kind of dropped. Yeah, he might, but they dropped off at yeah. the end. Your guy Will Wade is he going to win it? Hope not. But I mean, he's he's done a good job too. He's ben Hallen? No, not Ben Allen. There you go. So yeah. <laughs> Buzz Williams is going to be mentioned right there at the top. Yeah, and, again, I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you, and I'm not saying he won't. I am just saying, again, this is my opinion. I would feel weird giving Coach of the Year to somebody that couldn't even make postseason play. I, I mean, I don't know if any uh, – I'd like to see, again, this is not like uh, – But Cal, Cal should win, though, you would think. They they lost one conference game? Uh, I, I believe that's what it was. Um, maybe, maybe they lost more, but they – didn't have many conference losses. Yeah, no, they did well. Listen, it's Kentucky basketball. Like they're always going to do really well, and you got to give them credit for that. But again, it's just weird when you say Calipari. By the way, uh, Kentucky lost three, three three SEC okay. games, but still, uh, they're far and away the best team in the league because the next uh, one after them is Auburn and LSU, both at twelve and six. So uh, you know they're three games ahead of the other teams. They go twenty five and six. Had some really good wins this year, but I mean. Yeah, I, I think, and well, you know, another guy that may be in consideration, honestly, is uh, Mike White. 
I know that. Uh, Stop. That, I'm just saying. Like, look. If you, <laughs> what, uh, what was their conference record? Their conference record. They went 11 and seven. Yeah. But I, they they picked it up as of, they picked it up late though. They got playing really well when they started off pretty rough. They are the forgotten about program though. Yeah, they are. And again, I don't know who's going to win. It's probably going to be Buzz Williams. But this it just feels weird. And maybe it's my hatred towards Texas A&M. That's probably part of it too. But it, it's just I, I I have a hard time giving that award to somebody like that at this point. So, but uh, either way, there's if it's it, SEC has done a great job. They've they've had a lot of great teams. Uh, early, I should say good teams and a few great teams. Probably going to get five, six in the NCAA tournament, maybe. Maybe. Maybe, depending on how the how the SEC tournament goes. But either way, as, as we know, once March comes around and postseason basketball and college starts happening, anything's possible. Anything is possible. Um, did you get a chance to watch any other games around the SEC? Yeah, yeah, I got a, I got a chance to watch a few of them. I mean, nothing that really stood out to me because I was still kind of uh, kind of bummed from the Arkansas game. But Reggie Perry looks unstoppable. Well, yeah, and that's again like Georgia and the Mississippi State should be better than what they are. I don't understand it. Like how how are they struggling as much as they are with the talent that they have? And I never want to put that uh, uh, you know saying well what if Musselman had that talent? I don't know, but still. It's just, it's a weird, weird year in the SEC. It really is. So, but uh, we'll see how the SEC tournament plays out. Arkansas playing on Wednesday, which we'll get into that, as well as get into your phone calls. If you want to call in on the West End Cigars hotline, 501-433-1037 on this Reaction Monday on Out of Bounds. Coming up next, stay with us. You're listening to the Out of Bounds podcast with John Neighbors and Joe Franklin. Follow the show on Twitter at BuzzJohnNeighbors and at 1037TheBuzz. Two hours down, one hour to go. Appreciate everybody listening in on this beautiful day here in the great state of Arkansas. John Neighbors, Joe Franklin in studio with you today. And thank you as always for making us a part of your afternoon this afternoon. It's been a great show so far. And it's only going to get better here in the third hour as we're about to do the best and worst of the weekend and the, not only just in sports, but just in general, because there's a lot of things that we want to get into. And what's great is if you follow me on Twitter at Neighbors, I put the question out there, too. We've gotten a lot of great responses there as well, which we'll try to get to as best as possible. Of course, you want to get in on the conversation, call in the West End Cigars hotline at 501-433-1037. Uh, now, Joe, I know that uh, we've, uh, we've covered a lot of bases here on the show on a Reaction Monday and reacting to everything that happened in sports. Razorback basketball, gotten a little bit of Razorback baseball as well, gotten some XFL, maybe some NFL. I mean, it's been really all over the place, and that's why I always enjoy Monday shows, you know, because some people always think back and say, you know what, Mondays are the worst, not me. I enjoy Mondays. I enjoy the shows on Monday because Joe talks about Fridays being easy. To me, Mondays are easy because you have so much to get to and so much to talk about, and there's a lot more interaction, too, when people get in on it. And what's funny today is most of our reaction comes from something as simple as the differences between cornhole and bago. But you know what? That's what makes sports talk radio so great. Is you never know what's going to be had or what's going to be talked about or what you're going to conversate about. No, no, you never know, and uh, that is the beauty of it. We come in with a plan, and sometimes our plans get altered just a bit, but we know how to adjust and adapt to the alterations, and uh, we make it happen. That's absolutely correct. So let's go ahead and jump right into the uh, best and worst of the weekend here on Out of Bounds. And I got a few of them, Joe. I know you got a few of them, so we'll try to move through these so we can get to a lot more of yours as well. I want to start off and, and do – should we do the best or worst first? Should we start off on a good note or end on a good note? End on a good note. Let's do that. Okay, let's – all right, we'll start with the worst of the weekend. Uh, the worst of the weekend to me was – 
I, if I'm, I'm going to go with the sports one first. Uh, Razorback basketball being the worst, not because of them themselves, but just kind of the the sad thing where you know that was a game that if if you went on and you when you won the game, you'd be in such a much better position than what you would be for the NCAA tournament. And I'm, I'm not saying that it's going to be a failure of a season because again, going to the NIT is fine for year one. But it's just a little disappointing when you see game in and game out, like someone like Mason Jones score 30 points and you still lose. It's like frustrating because it's so much fun to watch and he's so, he's so much fun to watch. And I just have this eerie feeling that if he moves on and tries to pursue the NBA, which I wouldn't blame him after this season if he decided to do that. But if he moves on, it's just you're going to look back on his two years and both of his, and obviously his second year was much better, but you're just going to look back on it as like all it really produced was back-to-back NIT appearances. You know, it's just kind of a, a sad way to look at it where you you had a player that is so phenomenal, the first play, excuse me, the first player that you've ever had lead the SEC in scoring, win the SEC scoring title, and you didn't even get an NCAA tournament bid out of it. So if they win the SEC tournament, which winning five games in five days is dadgum near impossible, but crazier things have happened, then we're probably looking at an NIT bid, and that's fine. But again, I think it's just the worst of the weekend I saw is just seeing another great performance by Mason Jones, unrewarded in the win column. And now we have to really start thinking about what it's going to be like without Mason Jones and down the road, looking back on his career at Arkansas, and especially if he goes on to the NBA to have a great career or something like that, it'll just be sad because people are going to look back on and say, how in the world did Arkansas not even go to a tournament with Mason Jones, who is averaging like 22 points a game? And in SEC uh, play alone, a 30-point game was just another day at the office. So that's my worst of the weekend. It wouldn't be the first, though. Um, as far I don't know about as far as tournament, but there are players in the NBA that, like Patrick Beverly, for example, where we say he's really good in the NBA, but his time at Arkansas, you don't really remember it and remember him for being that type mm-hmm. of player. But he's a guy that worked hard and paved his own path, so – it wouldn't be the first time. No, and, and the part about Patrick Beverly, too, is like that that was a circumstance where he got kicked off the team. You know, it, it was it was a deal where— Did he? I thought he just left. N- well, he got kicked off the team. Okay. It was because they had an issue, and he's even talked about it. Uh, he, he made a mistake and had somebody take some tests for him. Mm, okay. And that was when John Pelfrey first kind of arrived, and he, he lied about it. There was just some stuff like that that happened. Yeah. And they decided to— have a mutual depart departure, departure, parting, whatever. Same thing as uh, Cheyenne O'Grady. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Around so, that same type of deal. Yeah, mutual departure. There you go. So, you know, looking back on that, it, it was a little different. But no, I, I get you. But at least with Patrick Beverly, the two years he was at Arkansas, they made the NCAA tournament. Um, but certainly, it was uh, kind of a wasted year for that because you could have been a lot better than what you were. Losing to 30 points in North Carolina and Tyler Hansborough. Don't get me started on it. But either way, uh, yeah, it's just Mason Jones. Is if we don't get to see him and Bud Walton Arena again, we'll see how the NIT goes. I'm sure we'll have a hosting game there. But uh, it was a lot of fun to watch him, and I hope, hope, hope that he decides to come back so we get one more year of him. So that was uh, one of mine as well, Razorback basketball. But I'll go on to the next one. Giannis, and this kind of goes with my best on the other hand as well, but Giannis Antetokounmpo, they played against the Lakers. He tweaked his knee, and now he had to sit out for a couple of games, and he sat out against the Suns, and the Bucks got blown out. So that's a worse because you would think that we know the type of player that Giannis is, but you would think that they're a pretty good team without him. 
well, they got blown out, and they just didn't even show up without them at all. So that's one of the worst things that happened. Hmm. Yeah, because uh, what is his average right now? Like, what what is he at right now? Do you know? Just off the uh, top of your head? No, not off the top. Okay. But he's, uh, he's putting up some major stats, and mm. he's one of the guys that's – at the top in the running for MVP. Right. And then LeBron, he kind of flexed a little bit this weekend and showed that he still should be in the conversation. So should the NBA want the Lakers and Bucks to be in the finals? Like, is that what they – I know that the Bucks are the best team in the East, but is that what the NBA would want necessarily? I, I think so. Okay. Because you have star power. Yeah. But Milwaukee, not, not, a, not a big market, mm-hmm. but they have a star player in Giannis. Could be the Celtics, you know. In the finals, yeah, it could the be. Yeah, while while we're talking that, we got some. Yeah, you we know, got some, you know. <laughs> we got some info on NBA while we're talking that we can get into. Yeah, yeah, could be the Celtics. Could be the Celtics. I don't know. I just I always think back. He's like, hey, L.A., Boston, Celtics, Lakers, always makes for even though they don't have the star power, they certainly could be uh, interesting from that as well. So, but hey, I figured you'd say the Rockets uh, would have a chance to beat the Lakers out. You know, they, you're big on the Rockets. They would. They're struggling right now. We've seen. We're talking about Milwaukee. Milwaukee has struggled over the past couple of games, but the Rockets are struggling. And we were talking about it off air more so, but I was talking about in a matchup with the Lakers that they could possibly make it to the Western Conference Finals if they happened to match up with them before getting there. But if they had to play the Clippers beforehand, I don't think they can get through the Clippers. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's what makes the playoffs so intriguing. It makes for some great matchups, especially in the Western Conference, that's for sure. Yeah, Giannis is putting up almost 30, so 29.6 and 13.7. So if you say 30 and 14, that's what he's putting up, and that's just third and fourth best in the league. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I can't wait to see how that plays out. Can't wait to see the playoffs when it comes around. See that. So, uh, But uh, r- real quick, it's not a sports-related one, but another worst of the week I want to throw in is my golf game. Uh, I got to play golf over the weekend and uh, at uh, Pleasant Valley. Oh, great place. Yeah, never been. Uh, I got to play with former Razorback Hog great Tyler Wilson. Who That's right. Lives here in the area, so n- name drop. Uh, but uh, it-, it was a good time. And, and, you know, it's funny because I have no business being on nice golf courses at all. Like your, he, your game doesn't equate to it. it. Do, not only does my game, but, you know, I am really good at BSing. And I don't know if you've realized this, Joe. I'm pretty good at it. That's why I have a job in radio. <laughs> and I like uh, it. and so like I, I so I can kind of fake it till I make it type of thing. You know, mm-hmm. I made sure I put on my finest Callaway shirt, and uh, you know, really had, had my glove, had my hair, my you know, my hat in place the right way. And, oh, you got to look the part. Yeah, just look the part over there. And you know, I see everybody else out there, you know, kind of smoking stogies and whatnot. So I, did, you know, I tried to I'm mingle in a little bit. But anyways, uh, I did not, I did not play horrible, but I did not play great. But it made me realize that man, oh man. Do I need to play more golf? But luckily, with the golf, uh, the annual Buzz Golf Tournament presented by the Gangster Museum coming up here in just a few weeks, I'll be able to showcase my skills and ability, or I'll be able to embarrass the Out of Bounds show and our Out of Bounds team. I can't wait to hear about it. Yeah, I know. I can't wait to play on it. But maybe, maybe, just maybe, I'll be able to go out there and uh, not make a fool out of myself. But I got to put in some work before we do it. But that was definitely one of the worst for my of the weekend, too. And you got some ringers coming in. So, so the reports say. We don't want to re- reveal them yet, though. No, no. We're because not then all these that. other shows are going to start copying us, be like, well, we better get ringers, too. No. Nope. 
we're going to have an unveiling, if you will, of the out-of-bounds team. So my golf game was another one, too. Another worst, uh, LeBron James. We talk Always about this all the time. John, how he comments on, on everything. everything. And they put a mic in front of his face for everything. That has nothing to do with basketball or anything. In this case, it does happen, happen to do with basketball. But there's a threat out there with the coronavirus, and people are taking mm-hmm. safety precautions. And they're talking about the NBA possibly playing empty arenas, which hasn't happened yet. But we've seen overseas that some teams are taking that precaution and playing in front of empty stadiums. They just have the teams there, no fans. So the thought was put out there about the NBA possibly having to do this. And LeBron's, uh, he's not really happy about it. And he said that there's no way he's going to play in an empty arena. Mm. He said he plays this game. For his teammates and the fans, and if the arenas are empty, he's not playing. It's not happening. So if the fans aren't there, he's not there. What a hero. He's the hero that none of us deserve, but that we all need. Thank you, LeBron James, for speaking out on, on such an occasion and on such an important topic. Because I don't know if we could have continued on with the conversation about not having fans attend games due to the coronavirus until LeBron James spoke out and gave his opinion on it. Oh, he had to. You know he did. Like That's I, just what he does. He, I think him and Mel Kuyper should switch roles because Mel Kuyper is kind of the same way where it, it's like you just ask him something and he knows about it or at least he has an opinion on it. Mm-hmm. And you know what, Joe? I know we're spending a lot of time on the worst, but that's what we do. Exactly. Because it's always bad. I always get pissed. Uh, so, like, I was thinking about with LeBron James, he's like the guy at the party that annoys everybody because no matter what conversation he's having with a group of people, he always has something to say. Always. And I don't like people like that. Because, you know, there's some things where it's like, you know, I'd rather hear from somebody who's going through that experience. Or somebody's talking about, you know, yeah, I got this... Uh, you know, I had this con- this medical condition. I'm having to go to the doctors and, you know, having these prescriptions I'm trying to get. And, you know, it's just been a really rough time. Well, you know what? I- Let me tell you something. Uh, yeah, my name is LeBron James real quick. Let me tell you something. You know, I-, I believe that you should be able to do those things. And it's unfortunate that you have to go through all of these rigorous tests and everything. But I can tell you this. If I had to do it, I- I'd-, I'd have to go through it and be brave about it, too, and just, you know, give it my all. And, and I think that... You know, if, you, if you're anything like me, you could probably do the same thing. It's like, okay, yeah, thanks, LeBron, but no one asked you. <laughs> but the problem is, is everybody asks LeBron because it's LeBron James. So I should shame on the media. How about let's get to some best. Yeah, let's do it. Tua was medically cleared yes. today. Yes, good for Tua. And this is the date that they pointed to. They said that they thought about March 9th he'd be medically cleared. And Alabama's Pro Day is coming up on April 9th. So he has a full month to prepare and be at his best for Pro Day, and then his stock is going to rise once again. Do you think he'll be good in the NFL? I think he will, yeah. as long as he can stay healthy. Yeah, healthy. Now, we haven't seen him really stay healthy to this point, but mm-hmm. maybe uh, they have the right pieces around him, whatever team he goes to, and he has all the tools. He he makes NFL throws. He's a guy that already plays at an NFL level from the quarterback position. The problem has been staying healthy. Yeah. Hmm. I hope he breaks the trend of Alabama quarterbacks. Let's be honest, Alabama quarterbacks have not been near and put up the numbers near as what Tua has. Let's just be honest. But I'm wondering if Alabama quarterbacks, similar to what USC quarterbacks were, similar to what Florida quarterbacks were, you know, all these guys that did great things as quarterbacks on great teams, championship teams, 
that when they get to the NFL and they're not surrounded by the superior talent, that they fall short a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And that's my only hang-up about Tua. Phenomenal player. But can he break that mold and break that trend of just being a guy who benefits from having five-star talent all around him? So we'll see about that. That's why it's like I always laugh if you think about some of the great quarterbacks in the NFL right now. You know, Tom Brady didn't have that in Michigan. I mean, he had good talent. I'm not saying they didn't have talent. But he didn't have that five-star elite talent across the board around him. Aaron Rodgers did not have that at Cal. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, I know that uh, you know Dak Prescott, when he was at Mississippi State, he didn't have all that around him. It just seems like in most cases, there are exceptions to the rule, but in most cases, the best NFL quarterbacks are guys that had to carry the team themselves in college because they didn't have that superior talent around them. Eli Manning? Eli Manning's another one. Big Ben Roethlisberger, did he have a lot of talent with him at Miami of Ohio? He had a bit, but nobody that stands out. But, but, but they like, dominated. They were able to right. dominate their conference. But it wasn't like Matt Leinart at USC. No, it no, wasn't. No. It wasn't like that. It wasn't like uh, you know any of these LSU quarterbacks. Like, and that's the thing about Joe Burrow too. It's the same thing. I think he'll be. He's really good. But see those receivers he was throwing to. Oh yeah. See that offensive line that was blocking Some for him. Some of the best. You know, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. But yeah, that is a, that's a great one too. Uh, best of the weekend. For me, uh, Razorback baseball, bouncing back, getting a series victory. I know it wasn't pretty, but Heston Kirstad getting a walk-off home run to win it on Sunday was great. It was nice to get back on the winning ways. Now it does not get any easier as they have Mississippi State on the road, which they haven't really been doing uh, that great right now either. But still, it's always tough to play uh, in conference, especially when you go on the road. But Arkansas also has a series that starts tomorrow and gone Wednesday in a midweek Against Grand Canyon. Do you want to go to school at the Grand Canyon there, Joe? I think I would love to go to school there. Yeah, play baseball for them. Well, they have that game. Tomorrow night uh, is at a 6.30 pitch. And then on Wednesday, it's scheduled for a 3 p.m. first pitch. So with the weather and everything, though, it's a little dicey. So we'll we'll keep you monitored on that. So we'll see how it goes. But, yeah, best of the weekend for me. Uh, Razorback baseball getting back on the winning ways because they desperately, desperately needed it. Another best. U.S. Women's National Team. Talk about them. They got the win over Spain with a late goal on International Women's Day. There you go. Yeah. It was was a tightly contested match, and um, they had a late goal Mm -hmm. by Julie Ertz. And Zach Ertz was in the crowd cheering his his wife on, and they got a big win. You know what I think is shameful, though, about that International Women's Day yesterday, Joe? What's that? Is that the women got one last hour of the day. Because of daylight savings time. That day did go by fast. Yeah. I got up at uh, around 10 o'clock, yeah. and it was like 1 before I knew it. It was like that day yeah. was flying by. Yeah, I hate I hate daylight savings time with a passion. I, lo- I love it, but yeah, I love are you it talking about like the start you. of it? No, I just hate that we have to have certain days of the year where things everything changes by times. Just like stick with one thing. Like, What does it matter if the sun's out a little longer and the times are different? What you could it? always move to Arizona or Indiana, and you wouldn't have to deal with it. Or we could just have Arkansas do it, Joe, so I don't <laughs> have to move anything. Maybe I could just do it that way. Yeah, Make could it, do that. I'm selfish, Joe. I'm selfish. But but then we're looking at a case of changing time zones as well. If you if you never change, you're going to change your time zone, which it we're not really close enough to, to not change. Yeah. Like you have to be on a certain border. That's true. Uh, Another best. The Lakers talked about them, and uh, they made a statement this weekend. They beat the Bucs and the Clippers. And um, I talked about getting into some NBA news about that. NBA power rankings. 
Milwaukee Bucks are number one. The Lakers are number two. So after the Lakers beat the Bucks, they're still behind the Bucks in the power rankings. And you, then they're just ahead of the Clippers. You buy that? So they're sandwiched in between the two teams that they knocked off over the weekend. You buy that, though, Bucks being number one power ranking team? The Lakers are coming, man. Uh, yeah, talk to me in June. Yeah, exactly. So just to round out the top five, you got uh, Bucks at number one, Lakers two, Clippers three, Toronto Raptors number four, and coming in at number five, the Boston Celtics. I knew you were waiting to hear that. Let's go. Let's go. Hey, I'm, I'm just hoping that everyone has fun in the playoffs. I'm just hoping for a, a good showing from the Boston Celtics once the playoffs come around. I'm not expecting much. You're not expecting much? No. You were just calling for him to get to the finals. Yeah, I know. I was more just trolling at that point. Oh, just because I know gotcha. that I know the NBA would like to see Celtics and Lakers in the finals. Let's just be honest. Oh yeah. I mean, every year. Yeah, if when they it, could have it. When it if was they the, could have that. When it was the years when it was Kobe and versus Garnett and Paul Pierce and all that, I mean that was phenomenal. The ratings mm. were through the roof. Right. Because not only is it star power teams, but it also had uh Celtics and Lakers too as well. Yeah, so speaking of that, the Lakers haven't had a um couple of wins over the top ranked teams in the NBA since 2009 and if you're wondering what happened that year they went on to win the title is that when they beat the magic that year is that yes. when they okay yeah that was a weird year magic were really good they probably should have had a better showing in the finals but they also beat the Celtics but that was when the Celtics didn't have Kevin Garnett so. Dwight Howard with a bunch of three-point shooters around Jameer him. Nelson and Turkaloo and all those guys yeah what was it Rashard Lewis I think was on that team yeah, they had some great yeah. shooters. Yeah, that team that team was pretty salty. Uh, real quick, I've got a few of you that have tweeted in at me at Buzz John Neighbors for your best and worst of the weekend. <laughs> Jonathan says the worst was Friday at Bomb Stadium, and the best was Saturday at Bomb Stadium. So that's that's a great one, too. Uh, War Machine comes in. Best was the women's team rallying to beat Texas A&M, which was a great one. We got to watch that, uh, Joe. That one was a great one. That was exciting down the stretch, wasn't it? It really was. Now, Arkansas, of course, lost in the semifinals to – South Carolina, but, hey, South Carolina's a great team. Uh, the worst was the men losing to Texas A&M. And also our, uh, my guy Bobby Bones. Bobby Bones tweeting in saying that Arkansas basketball breaking his heart before they came to my town for SEC basketball was his worst of the weekend. Of course, he's in Nashville mm -hmm. for the SEC tournament. But like I said, Bobby, you just got to root him on for five wins in five days, and you got it. Maybe Bobby will get a chance to go over and see him while they're in Nashville. Yeah, oh, I guarantee you that he'll be over there to see it. Uh, but, yeah, we got a few of these, though. I want to get in. I don't want to keep anybody out in the cold when it comes to the best and the worst of the weekend. If you want to get in on the conversation, 501-433-1037 is the number to call in. We'll get to more of the best and the worst of the weekend, more of your phone calls, and a few of these storylines I want to hit as well. Coming up next on Out of Bounds, 1037 The Buzz. Stay with us. Thanks for listening to the Out of Bounds podcast with John Neighbors and Joe Franklin. Subscribe wherever podcasts are found and be sure to visit 1037thebuzz.com for all things buzz.